Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. Welcome to the Bridge. Our goal and our mission this year is to live the exile life that God called us to, which means that we're going to be different, we're going to be set apart, um, we're going to be standing out in culture for God's name and His glory, and uh, we're in the series in Daniel, and I love this book. It's such a powerful book of the Bible, so I want you to have a Bible tonight, um, so if you don't have one, uh, please raise your hand and my leader is going to get you one. And while, um, while the leaders are getting out Bibles, thank you guys, thank you Lawson, thank you Cody. While they're getting you a Bible, um, I just want to tell you guys a little bit about what happened this past Friday night. A group of us went to downtown Melbourne, a large group. Some of you guys, so many of you guys came, and oh man, it was really cold conditions. It's very windy. Like, I think one of the students mentioned, like, it wasn't even this windy in the hurricane, but like, you guys still showed up anyways, and oh, did such a phenomenal job. It was when, when I go out and I hit the streets telling people about Jesus with you guys, it is some of the proudest moments I can have because it's, it's hard, right? Like, I don't love doing that type of outreach and that type of evangelism, if I'm being completely honest, right? It's really, uh, like, I, I, I'd like to consider myself outgoing and an extrovert and, and whatnot, um, but I don't care what, uh, how you're hardwired or whatever. That's hard for everybody, you know? Um, and so what I loved um, was so many of the students were out there representing in downtown Melbourne, stopping people and asking them to have conversations about Jesus. And it was just, I mean, I was so proud of you. Um, over 100 plus people were um, given gospel literature. Um, I personally, with my group, um, had at least five uh, dialogues and conversations. So that was just my group alone. We were in groups of uh, four and five, then split out across the city or downtown Melbourne anyways. And uh, man, guys, it was just awesome. So thank you for living that different life, that exiled life. It wasn't comfortable, but we went out there and did it and it was worth it. Um, I'm encouraged off it and uh, grateful that you guys joined me in that. So thank you for taking part in the vision to invite everyone to know Jesus. So um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter six tonight. So please go ahead in your Bibles, please turn to Daniel's chapter 6. And we're going to be tearing apart and picking apart the whole chapter. It's uh, one of the most epic passages in the Bible because I keep saying that every week. This is one of the most epic book and pivotal books in the entire Bible. And we're going to be learning about the story, Daniel and the lion's den. And I'll be honest, guys, I try to use language um, as if there's people here that have never heard this story before. You know what I really try to steer clear of and what I don't um, like per se, is when a pastor says, come on, you guys know the story. You've heard this before, right? Because how do you think that makes a person feel who has never heard the story before? Probably makes them feel bad or, or ignorant or foolish or stupid or like, I guess I don't belong here, right? Because we want to create a culture where people can come here who've never heard this story before, right? And this is not just some uh, Sunday school vacation Bible school story, but no, this story is epic and powerful, and it's going to challenge us to live the exile life that God has called us to. So let's read. It says in Daniel 6, chapter 1, Darius decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. 
Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Verse 4, the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the first thing I see in this text in verses one through five, the first thing I want you to see and take note of is that as exiles, we are to live blamelessly, right? See, the principle is this, is in this exile life that I want you to know, right? Is that this life is not our own. We belong to God. And this world where we're at right now is not our home, but our home is one day in heaven and then again one day in the new earth. We are exiles simply passing through, but we have a role and responsibility to live that truth out, right? And I see in Daniel, he shows us, he gives us an example on how to live the exile life, and that's we must operate as blameless sons and daughters of God, right? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me to live blameless, in my school, in my home, in my church, in my job. I see in 1 Peter 2.11, he hits on this. He explains a little further. Peter, Peter writes, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, live such good lives among the natives. Now, that's just simply people who have not yet declared Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I hope that you living the exile life will transfer them out of being natives into exiles that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. See, we're to live these blameless, upright, noble lives for God, not for us, but so that other people will in turn worship God. We saw that last week with Shadrach, or two weeks ago with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Man, they obeyed God, and in turn, Nebuchadnezzar challenged the city to worship God. We're gonna see that again tonight, Daniel's doing that tonight, but we have some haters that are coming along the way that are going to try to trash and pick apart his good name, but they can't find any dirt on Daniel. Now, we began in Babylonian, but now we're in the Persian Empire. The Persian Empire at this point in history is growing. It's becoming more powerful, and as the government is growing, Daniel, he's also being put in higher positions of leadership and influence. Now, why do you think Daniel's doing that? It's not because Daniel's a Christian. Remember, he's in exile in a foreign land, right? The God that he worships is not the God of that land, right? So he's not being placed in higher positions of leadership because he's a Christian. He's being placed in these higher positions because of his hard work and his integrity, right? So, Christian, let me ask you for a moment. Are you to seek out higher positions of influence? Do you think that your sphere of influence and the impact that you can have in the world should be high or should be minimal? I believe it ought to be high. Yeah. Man, I think living a shut up life, right? We're not called to go and live in some camp in obscurity, but no, we're called to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot and is unable to be hidden. We ought to seek influence, right? 
And above influence, we're called to seek God's will for our life. He might call you to obscurity, right? So I don't want to disregard that. But when we seek out influence, when we're called to that, just like Daniel was, it's not for our own ego or our own pride, but so that the name of Jesus can be lifted higher. So how do we do this, right? I think Daniel... He's displaying it requires a daily submission to God. Further on in the text, we're going to see what that looks like for him, right? Man, in order for us to have this integrity from God, not by our own strength, not by, by our own power, but from God, we must be disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said himself, in order for you to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. You see, as exiles... You're ambassadors for Jesus Christ, meaning that you represent him. And I want you, Christian, to represent him accurately. I don't want you to misrepresent him. See, Daniel, at this point, you guys know how old he is? He's not a teenager anymore. He began in the Babylonian Empire as a teenager. Now, in this point in history, in Daniel chapter 6, he's now in his 80s, right? See, he's lived a long life of integrity. See, the Christian life does not end, I want you to remember this, it does not end when you become a senior citizen, right? Man, your dream, right, is not to get a big enough 401k so that you can buy a home on the beach and sit around and do nothing and wait to die, right? And you know what's funny is we live in Florida, people, like that's their dream is to like have this retirement and come into uh, Florida and then just not do anything, right? And retirement's good, but our mission, our life with Jesus, our truth that we're living in, that we are exiles, does not end. It has no end date, right? Now, does being an exile or being a Christian, does it mean that you're going to have a life without enemies or accusations, right? No, you will have enemies. You will have accusations against you. Daniel is experiencing this, right? I mean, we look at the life of Jesus himself, someone who was blameless and upright as well. Many people opposed him, his friends deserted him, and some were even ashamed of him but we're called to be blameless like Daniel, living lives where no dirt can be found on us, right? We should live a life that is an example that's worth following, right? See, we don't want to make the gospel look fake by proclaiming one thing and then doing another, right? Now, people don't have to love you, right? They don't have to worship you when they shouldn't worship you, right? Man, your actions and your blameless living should, I hope, glorify God, right? But they don't have to do that. But what I want people to see in your life at school and in your home and when you are working, I want them to see and respect that your living lines up with Jesus' calling on your life, right? Man, you have a calling on your life, and that is to be an exile, and that is to live blamelessly. Daniel, he works as a man as under the Lord, right? He might be working for this Darius, this government official, but he's able to work hard and effectively and efficiently with integrity because he's following the command of God to work as unto the Lord, right? So let me give an illustration to explain uh, what this doesn't look like, right? In nursing school, uh, I graduated uh, in 2010, And our initiative, our goal as seniors, was to vaccinate a huge high percentage of the campus, right? Now, this is pre-coronavirus, right? There was something going on around 2010, um, and it wasn't just that gas was 425 a gallon, right? And that we were recovering from a recession, right? But there was a sickness going on at at this time as well. Do you you guys remember this? 
It was the swine flu. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Thank you. Right? It was the swine flu. And if you were a student on campus, you could come to one of the nursing students, right? And you could get vaccinated for this flu that was going around, right? And so uh, me and my buddies were like, all right, so we got to go and march in campus and, and knock on people's rooms in these doors and offer them the opportunity to get vaccinated, right? And so me and my buddies, before we went out, we got vaccinated, right? Um, and it, I got to be honest, like we vaccinated each other and it's pretty scary when a nursing student is giving you a shot for their very first time, right? So, but like we did it anyways, right? And we're going out and then we knock on doors and so I'd be at one door, another nursing student would be at another door and then so on, so on forth, right? We were a class of about 50 students. And uh, I would hear the dialogues going on between uh, uh, the students in the dorm and the nursing students, right? And what was happening is the people would be like, you wanna give me a shot, right? And they're like, well, I hate needles. They'd be like, well, don't worry, right? Well, not only do we have needle injection, but we have an inhalation um, uh, uh, injection as well, right? And so, and so like, I'm not, I'm not sucking up anything through my nose. They'd say I'd hear things like that, right? And then some people would be kind of interested and be like, ah, well, swine flu is sketching me out. And they'd be like, well, did you get it? To my other nursing, my classmates, right? And they'd be like, Poof! like, I'm not doing it, right? Like, there's no way, there's no way that... We, we failed in this initiative, right? No one in our school, maybe besides me and my three other classmates, ended up getting the vaccinations because the people who were saying that this is a good thing, that this is something you should get, weren't getting it themselves, right? That's why as exiles, we can't proclaim one thing and then do another, right? See, people in your school, right, and people at your workplace may or may not know you're a Christian, and I hope that they do, right? And they might not be a very good judge of whether or not you're following the scriptures to 1,000% perfection, but what they are analyzing and examining extremely carefully is your conduct and your character. This was the case of Daniel, and there was nothing to be found on him, and there ought to be nothing ultimately that can be found on us as well. As exiles, we must live blamelessly. So let's read on in verse six. It says, so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live the king. We're all in agreement, which is not true because Daniel was a government official. He wasn't in agreement with this. It says, we are in agreement that the king should make a new law and be strictly enforcing it. He should give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official of the law, and the Persians, that it cannot be revoked. Verse 9, so King Darius, he signed the law, right? So Daniel, he catches wind of this new law that's been enforced, right? But it says in verse 10, that he went home, he knows that it says to not pray to any other God but the majesty of the king. But even so, he goes home and he kneels down as usual. Remember that term, as usual, in his upstairs room, right? He had a time and he had a place, he had a plan. And it was with its windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed there three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God, right? These officials, they, they see Daniel do this, they hear about it one way or another, and they go and complain to the king, and they say, your majesty, you must do what you said you would do. You must throw this man to the lions. So the next thing that I see in verses 6 through 12 is that we are not called to be windows 
excuse me, we are called not to be walls, but we are called to be windows, and we must let our faith be seen. We said it once already, and I'll say it again in Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, right? You see, Daniel, he had two things that helped him be a window and helped him be a lighthouse. And I believe that you have two things as well that are going to help you do this, right? I believe that Daniel, we're going to see in Jeremiah, he has a promise from God and a command from God. And that command is to pray while he is waiting. Please check this out on the screen. Can you please read Jeremiah 29? It's more exile text. Once you see this exile truth in God's word, you see it everywhere. It's a beautiful thing. It says in Jeremiah 21, it says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Can we talk for a second? So what is that saying, that first verse? Because when we read God's word, right, we're not called to let it go in one ear and out the other. But no, God's word, written thousands of years ago, has application for our life today. So, so when we read God's word, we're called by God to hear his voice and let him tell us, what does that look like for me in my life today, right? And we got to make sure that's within context. But what does verse one mean? What, do you, what are you seeing there? What do you think? But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. The welfare of the city. What city are you in? What does it mean to seek the welfare of the city you're in? What does that mean? Well done, Aaron. Seems too easy, doesn't it? Well, well next time, 20 seconds ago, would have been great. But thank you for coming through and bailing me out right now, my friend. You're making me sweat. Good job, Aaron. That's good. That's good. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, right? So we have a, he has a command from God, right? Daniel would have had this text. He knew it, right? He was from the land of Judah. He would have studied and memorized this text. So he's, he's reading God's word and he's obeying it. So man, oh, man I'm gonna pray while I'm here. And that is what he is continuing to do. So he had a command from God. In verse 10, we're gonna also see that he has a promise from God as well. So let's read on. It says in verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. You guys know this verse, but it's often taken out of context. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and you will pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile, right? You see, we also, the same command applies for us today, right? You're called to pray for the city in which you live, right? Man, I, you see the pain in Melbourne High School. You see the pain. I see the pain in Palm Bay High School when I'm there every Thursday morning, right? Right? I see the pain in O'Galley and these other schools, right? Man, I, I see what you're going through, and you certainly do as well, right? And we're called to have some compassion for that. And we're not called to say, I'm in exile, not my deal, not my problem. No, God is saying it is your problem and it is your deal. You have a command, but you also have a promise saying, I won't leave you there, right? And while you're just passing through, remember, fix your eyes on the skies because it's from there that I'll be coming back to redeem you and take you out of this exile world in which you live, you're called 
to be a window, not a wall. You're called to live your life in a way where people can see your faith. You don't want to block them from your faith, right? Daniel, how did he expose his faith in the text you just read? He went upstairs into this room, right? What was happening? He was praying, right? People could see in, and it was with regularity three times a day, right? He's not being disobedient to God's command to go in and shut yourself into a room when you pray, right? That's to protect us, and there's times for that, and Daniel had that, right? This was simply the architecture of the home at the time. Elevation with windows because they didn't have air conditioning, so there'd be a good breeze, so naturally people are going to see in, right? People was, Daniel was not out to please people in this prayer, right? Because if it was, it would have been exposed at this point because he would have stopped praying now if that was his heart. He's called and you're called, and what he's doing is he's drawing a line in the sand and he's taking a stand for Jesus, right? So I gotta ask you a question. Can the world tell that you're different? We watch that video every week and it's got really cool production value and it sounds really good based on our speakers, right? But can the world tell that you're different, right? What do you think? Search your heart for a second. Don't answer me, right? Because if it can't tell that you're different, it's probably because you're not. Maybe we are walls and we're not windows, right? Maybe people don't know about the God that we worship, right? Maybe they don't see you living a blameless life, right? They see you living a life that looks no different, right? But we're not called to live in that way. And I think a lot of the culture of, um, and what I see is not, I, I don't believe you're a hypocrite. I really don't, right? I believe you're students of integrity, right? I believe, can I be honest with you about something? I remember when I was in high school, I didn't go to this youth group. I didn't go to any youth group. But I heard later that the pastor would go down to whatever like local club was at the time, right? And people would have fake IDs and they'd go into this club that's not open anymore and like get wasted, right? And he would drive, he was friends with the local police force and he would hang out at that club and watch people, his students coming out of it that he knew, right? That's weird on many levels, first off, right? But like, like, first off, if you were doing that, that's not how I would respond, right? And I'm, 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 this coming across, I wasn't planning on sharing that, right? So I'm not coming across critical of anybody. I don't mean to do that, right? Forgive me for that. But my point of it all is, I don't think you're hypocrites. I'm proud of you. You're people of great integrity. Man, this is the most fun I've ever had as a pastor in my life because of you, right? That's why God has led us to this place of, man, let's go out and share. And they're people of integrity, right? They are living these blameless lives. So therefore, they are the city on the hill. Don't hide this light that they have, right? And I just want to share that from you. And I do believe that that is from the Spirit. See, revival, I want revival to come, right? I want people, we're going out in downtown Melbourne and doing things that are uncomfortable. If you were like, like, guys, am I right? Was that uncomfortable at times? It was, right? But we're not called to live comfortable lives, nor are we. We want revival to come, and that's going to come when people see that your life has been changed by God, 
right? People need help, and Jesus is the solution. He is the answer, but they can't find that help if they can't see your life that's changed by God. That's why we go and we want to share our testimony with people. This was my life before Christ. This is how I met Christ, and this is my life now in Christ. And what I cannot, I can't unsee the exile life in the Bible. And as I teach you this, you're going to not be able to not see it either. But what I can't not see in the New Testament is that people were being miraculously healed and changed by God, and then the church would grow, right? I mean, we're in the Acts in the New Testament reading plan that we're in right? And what I keep seeing is people are healed, their lives are changed, and the church grows, and that that is revival, right? Jesus said, revival comes when you pray. You're called to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, pray that thy kingdom would come, Why did he want you to pray that? Why did he want you to usher in the kingdom of heaven? Because the kingdom of God and the world are never meant to look like each other. That's why we have to live these different set apart lives so that people can find Jesus Christ, right? And Daniel, man, a lion's den is on the line. And you're not going to draw that line in the stand and take a stand for Jesus if you wait to start praying when persecution comes, right? You must pray and have the spiritual disciplines and devotion to the Father of prayer even before it comes. Remember verse 10, look in your Bibles. What is that you word that we read a moment ago that I told you to remember? Verse 10, it was as his usual, these usual retreats, you must usually and regularly retreat from the world, right? I mean, there's times you're called to escape with the Father, to the Father, in the quiet place with him, right? Right? There's times, man, I remember in John 17, Jesus, when he was praying for you, right? He said, Father, I'm worried about him, right? I want, I want them to know, however, that, that, that I'll be with them, right? But I'm sending them into the world, Right? but just know that they go out in my power. See, you are called, even though you're in the world and you're called to go into the world, there are times when you're called to retreat out of the world and its influence because it helps you remain who you are and helps you remember who you are. You're sons and daughters of God, right? And if you stay in the world too long without having these retreats just like Daniel in his quiet place three times a day in his upper room, right? We're gonna forget who we are. That's why we have the discipline of regular prayer to God. Because if you don't have those times, you're going to forget where you came from. And if you forget where you came from, you're going to forget where you're going, right? Daniel, he would go, he'd retreat to pray and remember Jeremiah 29 in verse 7. I'm commanded to pray for my city while I'm here. But in verse 10, I have hope that when I call upon God, he hears me and he has a promise for me that he won't leave me as an exile. What hill are you willing to die on for God, right? Maybe not for God. Maybe you're not willing to die on any hill for God, but you ought to know that. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we learned last week that the hill they said no more. We draw the line in the sand here. For them is worshiping another idol. For Daniel, if you're going to stop me from praying to God, that's the hill that I die on. I won't not do that. You, I, I will serve you. I will pray for you. I will help you. I will live a blameless life. 
I will serve you as I serve my God unless you tell me to disobey him. That's the conviction I want all of you to have for the Father. See, three times a day he would pray. Daniel knew the power of prayer and its effectiveness, right? See, I think the truth is this. See, it was only for 30 days. He could have just stopped praying for 30 days, right? See, I got to ask myself the question. I'm not asking you. I'm asking myself, so let's all search our hearts together. Am I praying in such a way with such faith and seeing God move in a way that if I didn't pray for 30 days, anything would be different? That wasn't the case for Daniel, right? He was willing to stand for something and not give it up because he had been praying and seeing God's power already in his life. He said, I know the power of my God and I know the power of prayer and you cannot stop me. See, that is called experiential knowledge. Man, it's time in our walks with the Lord that we also start having this experiential knowledge as well. What do you think that means, this experiential knowledge? That's a psychological term. What is that, experiential knowledge? It's not a biblical term. What does that mean? Guys, I'm, I'm throwing you like, like really easy ones tonight. Help me, please. What is it? That's it, knowledge, gain. It's too easy, right, Shay? Thank you. All right, you guys know. I think some, I could be wrong, but my, my assumption is, is that if something's so easy, you're like, it can't be that easy, right? It is, right? That's all I was wanting, so thank you, Shay. See, you can understand a concept or an idea, right? But there's more power in the truth of, that you've actually lived it out. See, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to bail on this example, right? I'm, all right, fine, I'll do it. Peer pressure. This is me not being in exile in this moment. It's good. Cool. Okay. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not giving in. Forget you guys. Be quiet. Let's get, read your Bible. Yes, the king replied. The decision stands. I love you guys. Just kidding. It is an official law and Persians that cannot be revoked. Verse 13. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you in your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. You see, this king Darius, or he wasn't a king, he was just a government official, right? But he was so into pleasing people, he got himself into trouble in this moment. You see, he liked Daniel, remember? I mean, he was letting Daniel excel in the government that he was running, right? This was his friend, because he was so hung up on pleasing people, right? And not, not thinking before he made laws and decisions, he's now put his friend in a very bad position. The king's deeply troubled. He spends the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out. It says in verse 15, and the evening the men came and said, your majesty, you know what the law said and you know that it can't be changed. Man, historically what was going on is these, this Persian empire, they were worshiping false gods, right? And they constantly would say, the gods have said this. And then the next day they would say, something different, contradicting what the gods were doing, right? And they realized, man, our, our gods are appearing false just as they are because we keep changing what he says. That's why they enforce this rule of, okay, if we said God said it, right? Little God, not the real God, right? The false God. But if we said our false God said it, right? We have to at least try to give it 30 days, right? You can't go back on it. Darius didn't have the power to overturn this law, right? So he's upset about it. He's like, what have I done? But that's what's so cool about our God is it never changes. It's the same today. 
and it's going to be the same in the future, and it's the same in the past. Our God is the same. But in verse 16, it says, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Right? See, Nebuchadnezzar, he was coming out in a rage of anger. Right? But I believe that Darius, he really meant it here. Right? This was, this was his friend, and, and I think he's really wanting God to save Daniel. He's like, man, I really hope this God comes through. It says, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. See, Darius, he probably knows the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being saved from King Nebuchadnezzar right? And he knows of that miracle, and he's really hoping that God comes through again, and you know even more than the king, Darius, Daniel probably feels the same way. It says, the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, and he couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up, hurried out the lions, and when he got there, he called out in English, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel, of course, answered, long live the king. He's still living blamelessly. My God sent his angel to shut the angels, shut the lion's mouth so they could not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you either, your majesty. Next thing I want you to see is I want you as exiles to show honor even when it is hard. Man, in 1 Peter 2, 13, it says, submit yourselves to the Lord for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Verse 17, show proper respect to everyone, right? And even in the midst, man, this would have been really hard for Daniel, right? To keep honoring Darius in this moment. But I look at other examples that we see in the Bible, right? Man, Saul was a king at one point. And David was the next king that was ordained by God to come, but it was not his time yet, right? And David had multiple opportunities to step out of God's timing and take the throne soon. But David, being a man after God's own heart, he showed honor even when it was hard, and he said, I will not lay a finger on God's anointed, right? He's like, I won't step out of God's timing. We're called to follow that example. Jonathan to the same person, David. See, Jonathan was the son of Saul, right? See, Jonathan was the prince, right? But you see, Jonathan, he honored David. That probably would have been hard for him because, see, Jonathan was the prince, but he knew David was the rightful king, so he protected him anyways, right? What about in our life? What does that look like, right? Man, a lot of you guys come to me with hard stuff with your parents, right? And, and I haven't been a teenager for many years now, right? But I certainly remember hard stuff with my parents too. Things that were sincerely challenging, right? Like it's really challenging me for me to honor this, right? It's really challenging me for, to obey this, right? Like things that I sincerely did not think were fair. And I look back and have conversations with my parents now and be like, that was kind of like bizarre you like rolled like that, right? you know, and we don't have these, like, angry, like, brutal conversations, right, and they're not grounding me anymore, right, but I think you're in hard moments sometimes, and challenging moments, right, and you might present a valid case at some times, but you're called to show honor even when it is hard. When God said in the Ten Commandments to honor your father and mother, there was no asterisk above it that said, unless you think it's unfair, right, and I'm not coming at you. 
I'm coming at you to set you free and run in the path of the commands from God. If you honor your parents, God will bless you and you will live a better life. God will anoint your life and bless your life for honoring your parents even when it is difficult, right? Because if you have that type of relationship with your mom and dad where you can honor them even when it is hard, it won't make you have this bashing of the heads relationship. It'll have a peaceful relationship, right? And, and as a youth pastor, I always have to say, unless they're pushing you to sin or unless there's abuse involved, right? right? It's, it's in those moments where you get the right help. That's why we're here, right? I'm not talking about those times, right? But what I'm talking about is showing honor even when it is hard. You know, it's hard for me to honor Pastor Mark sometimes. There are decisions he makes you don't know about that I disagree with, right? And then there's some, I'm like, Jackson, you're being a little brat, right? And then there's some, I'm like, you know what? I think I have a, I have a legit thing here. I'm gonna bring this to him, and I have. And every single time, there's always another side of the equation or another perspective that he knows about that he's been protecting me from, right? For a good reason that I didn't know about. Every time I go to Pastor Mark in that way, right? There's two sides to every decision that's being made, right? So we honor our parents. And I think unless people are pushing us to sin, we honor our leadership for sure as well, right? And instead of being critical of people, we ought to be praying for them, that's what I'm learning. So show honor even when it's hard. That's why I'm seeing Daniel do, even after he's been thrown into a lion's den. It says, Then the king is overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted God. Right? And then these people that came against him, it says they were thrown into the lion's den. Right? And it says that before they even hit the bottom of the pit, that the lions leapt on them and tore them apart. So the last thing is this, and I pray this sets you free tonight, so lock it in because we only got a few minutes left before we break out into groups, is that it's God's job to avenge, but it's your job to obey. Look at Romans 12, 19 for a second. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. My younger brother Paul, uh, he has special needs, lot of psychiatric issues, um, and it's just messy, right? His, his situation is messy, and he went to Bayside High School, and he was severely bullied, very bad situation, and um, man, I, I can't even go into the stories. Um, Alex, you've experienced some crazy s- stuff from my brother in rage of like freaking out about this stuff, um, like, like, like it's just out of control, right? And he he has so much anger and wrath towards these people for this, right? And it, and it paralyzes him and it hurts him, right? And he doesn't have even the mental capacity to, to, to handle it and process it. And he tries to preach this verse himself, right? And it's hard for him, right? And, and you may not have been bullied, right? Or, or that may not be your story necessarily, but we've all been hurt or wronged. If you've lived at all on this earth, you have all been hurt or wronged, and so have I. And in this, no one apologized or repented, right? And I think that we're scared to let go of these things because God has placed in your heart a desire for justice. That's why these things are hard to let go of. That's why there's moments from years ago You'll wake up in the night or be on your bed about to go to bed and remember moments where you were sincerely wronged, right? 
John Piper says this, if you lay down your rage, your anger, if you lay down, you're playing it over and over again in your head. If you lay that down, it doesn't get lost, but God picks it up. When you lay it down, love can come in. You see, unforgiveness can be a dam in you that blocks up liberty, right? See, laying it down doesn't mean that that was okay or that the wrong against you was right. When you lay it down, God himself picks it up. I will repay, says the Lord. Pastor Mark says that if you, because of lack of forgiveness, hold unforgiveness in your heart, expecting it to hurt the other person, it's like drinking a cup of poison, expecting it to injure them. John Piper, he gave his last quote with a certain amount of authority. His mother and father were on a mission trip uh, when he only still had one son, right? And now John has many sons, right? So John must have been uh, 30 or 40 at the time. And uh, his mom and dad were on a mission trip in Israel. And they were in Tel Aviv. And there was a drunken group of Israeli soldiers who spun off the road and uh, killed his mom, right? John lost his mom. And he said, my mom died from these drunken jivers. But God, he prays, if there is some vengeance to be done there, I just hand it over to you. But then he says this, if there's salvation to be done there, I pray that you would do it. He prays that the gospel would reach these men who there in drunkenness caused my mother's death. See, you have to have faith and believe God in this verse that he has promised. Do you believe it? Because you need liberty. I believe that some of you need liberty from that. Daniel, we see in this book, in this passage, he walked in this liberty. He will avenge. God will avenge you. Fear not, right? In this story, this happened. The king, Darius, he applied the law of retaliation and all the accusers, they're cast in the den. That's what we just saw. And in turn, God, we see in conclusion of the story that he's worshiped by Darius and other people in the land. So worship, can you please, can I invite you up at this time? Guys, that's um. That's real talk, right? Like, like, like man, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with the ways that people wronged me, right? Not just outside the church, but in the church as well, right? Not just in old relationships, but relationships I still have that God has called me to still partake in, right? But we're not called to hold on to bitterness or rage or anger. We must trust that it's God's job to avenge and it's our job to obey him, right? So you guys, can, can you please stand? So guys, um, man, I, I, I think that um, I'm not gonna make you bow your heads or close your eyes, but in the song of worship, I'd like to, you to just seek that liberty, to trust that if you lay something that you've been carrying down tonight, will you trust that God will pick it up? Will you trust Romans 12, 19 tonight? When God says, I'll repay, I'll handle it, right? Because then we could have the liberty come in for us, like John Piper with his mom who was taken from him, who stopped hating those men who ultimately had his mom killed, right? To leading him to pray for them that they'd receive salvation. Can we have that same freedom as well, right? Remember, it doesn't mean that it was okay, and remember, right, letting go of this 
does not leave the door open for people to keep hurting you in your life. No, God calls you to have boundaries from unsafe people, right? But what I'm challenging you to do is to lay it down tonight and let God pick it up and trust this promise. Trust God like Daniel trusts God with this. So everyone's heads are up and everyone's eyes are open, right? And I'm going to pray for me tonight. Does anyone else want prayer to let go of something tonight? Praise God. Cool. Cool. Praise God. Thank you. Cool. Let me pray for you. And then you can worship where you're at. You can come up and um, then I'll break us off. Let's pray. Dear God, I love you, Lord. God, we are here tonight. God, if there is any bitterness in our hearts, if there is any unforgiveness in our hearts tonight, I pray that we would lay it down tonight, God, that we would run in your freedom, run in your grace, run in your liberty so that love, your love could come in, God. We lay it down tonight and trust you with it now, God, and trust that you're gonna pick it back up. It doesn't mean we're gonna let people keep hurting us. It doesn't let us... Or, or, or make us think that it's okay because whatever it was probably wasn't, God. It was sincerely wrong, God. But we are now giving it to you, Father, God, for you to handle it now, God. That burden, we're taking it off, God. We're casting this care upon you, God, because you care for us and you're our dad and you're gonna handle it. You promised us, God. And we lean on that tonight. As you might need me pray, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.